0: You're listening to the Team Time Podcast with First Student Ministries, the show that brings you engaging and relevant discussion on scripture, culture, and the stories of others, with your hosts, Josh, Cameron, and KJ. Good morning, team. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to the podcast. How's everyone doing? Great. Excellent good cameron is wearing another incredibly stylish hat it's the same hat it's the same hat the same hat, same hat. Same hat. Yeah. Oh, well. same hat. from last time <laughs> same, same hat, hat we
1: commented on last time, last time. Yep. <laughs> new hairdo though yeah, yes yeah, yeah. that's what i it got is. bangs a okay. week ago that's yeah. right
2: okay so it's the same hat yeah
0: but this time period with a new hair right
1: and this time last week on the podcast i had not yet gotten the bangs that's right yeah so they came after
0: Okay,
2: so I want for the record that I noticed as soon as... Okay, an-
1: I want for the record to say it's because I put it on the team shared calendar. Like, that's
2: all the better. record, I am officially
0: grateful.
1: For. We're all on the record, right? We're all... This is all the we're all, record. Kind of here. Awesome, awesome.
0: I love it. Well, right, y'all, we're going to be back in uh, Revelation. We're going to be looking at Revelation 3, 1 through 6 this morning. Uh, the letter to the church in Sardis. Uh, one of the more difficult... Letters um, and one of the more challenging passages I think to mm. interpret, but we're gonna dive into that. But before we get there, you know what we do here. We mm. have our on the spot question. So, Josh and Cameron, will you please describe for our <laughs> listeners a time in your life where you had a not so great experience because you were overconfident or not vigilant? Mm. Oh.
1: Overconfident or not vigilant? Well, recently I've been playing a lot of pickleball, and the second time that I played Pastor Wes, I was confident based on the first encounter where I did lose. I was confident the second time. It's not that I wasn't vigilant. This isn't this. That's not it. It's mm-hmm. I was maybe in the second time that I played him overly confident, and I didn't quite yet his realize his like competitive streak that would. Um, so I did not have a good experience losing to him the second time. Yeah, mm. and yeah, and I guess I was a little overly confident that I was going to be able to based on the first match. Yeah. So, still, waiting for that rematch, though. If he, if he's listening. Yeah. <laughs> Wes, if
2: you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Josh? Um, I would say any race that I've ever done, like ultra race, to so show up to day one, you just or the line, and you're like, "Oh, I've trained really well." And then something goes haywire. <laughs> so, um, I think one of um, one of them, the more humbling experiences would probably have been uh, an extreme weekend that we had, like really prepped for. This is a weekend retreat we did with middle schoolers, and then from the start it just went sideways. Mm. So, and just left that like not just like. Extremely discouraged, but like displeased with the effort that we put forth for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Although we still, I mean, we still saw like kids coming to the Lord and all the different things. But from my standpoint, like wishing like we could have done more. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah,
1: yeah, I guess there are t- a lot of ministry times when when you can be overly confident about how something's going to go, and then it doesn't yeah. doesn't land or yeah. Mm, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my experience actually is probably me being not so vigilant. So two years ago when I was in Athens, Greece, I was at the Parthenon. And so for our listeners who've never been to Parthenon, like, it is like a big a giant temple and it sits up on a hill and overlooks the city of Athens. So I was there just geeking out, taking it all in. And then I look over and I see this like little lookout post that like overlooks the city and so my immediate thoughts i want to go go there get an awesome picture so i go running from the spot where i'm standing and apparently the rocks are slippery mm-hmm. oh, around the park oh. no, this, mm-hmm. apparently this is like a well-known thing that the rocks are slippery so you need to be careful yeah but i my zeal and lack of vigilance just sprinted ahead my foot slipped on a rock and i just ate it mm-hmm. in front of all the tourists <laughs> from all over the oh, world man. and Yeah, and so that was me falling outside Mm. at the um, Mm Parthenon for lack of vigilance. And I feel like overconfidence, there was a situation at our spring retreat that involved a van and a parking garage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I don't think I want to get into that. (laughs) We all know. We all know. We all know. But yeah, okay, so thank you for sharing your experiences. And the reason why I asked that question I feel like it, in a lot of ways, is similar to, um, or there are some parallels with the city we're going to be looking at today. Um, This is going to be the church in Sardis. So before we get into the passage, is there anything that you all know about Sardis already, about this city, about the culture, the context, what's going on here? I only know
2: what KJ told me yesterday, so oh. I feel like... I'm, oh, like, I forgot we had that conversation. I'm not going to steal KJ's thunder here. <laughs>
1: no, I, uh, I mean, the only thing I think of is that they're called dead. Like, that they're that it's a very, like, spiritually dead city. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then, like, mentally, I don't know, but I always think of sardines. <laughs> like, when I hear <laughs> of, of Sardis, which has no relevance or connection whatsoever, yeah. so... Yeah, really all I know is that Sardis is that. I know right <laughs> uh, all I know is that um, Sardis is considered spiritually dead yeah right. yeah
0: absolutely it is um, so let me fill you in and our listeners on a little bit about about the city so it is at this it's a very wealthy city but by the time that John is uh, pinning um, this letter, Uh, the city is on its decline but one of the things about Cyrus is that it was notorious for being a place where people can make easy money Mm. and so in a lot of ways the culture like it was very well known for like luxury but also apathy and a lot of immorality and there's the worship of this goddess named Sybil, uh, that was the mother goddess and a lot of the worship of this goddess would take the form of sexual immorality Mm. and impurity but probably the most fascinating thing about this city, and I think we're really going to see when we start diving into the letter, is that it is probably most well known. So twice in this city's history, uh, it was captured by enemy armies. But what was going on was, so the city has like a natural fortification or defense because it's like, has these high cliffs Mm -hmm. all around the city and these walls. And so, throughout the city's history, a lot of people thought that, like, the city was unconquerable because it had these natural defenses. It had these walls. Um, and so, um, in ancient cities, just so our listeners, one of the things that, would, one of the like ways that cities would defend themselves is that they would put watchmen upon these walls. And so, the role of the watchmen would be to alert the city if there was danger coming or if there was an army approaching. Um, but because the city had these super high cliffs, and pe- they, essentially what happened was the watchmen were uh, complacent, they were not vigilant because they just assumed no one can conquer the city, we have natural defense, there's no need to actually mm. keep watch and be vigilant. And so twice in the city's history, uh, and in the same way two separate <laughs> enemy armies conquered the city um, because the watchmen were not vigilant, and so the city was captured Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of ways, the city of Sardis became kind of this uh, cautionary tale of what happens when you are complacent and when there's a lack of vigilance because that led to uh, the city's downfall. Mm -hmm. And so in many ways, when we look at this letter, the spiritual state of the church uh, that Jesus is pinpointing here or that Jesus is talking about here is very reflective of the city's historical character as well. So I'm going to just work through really verse by verse here and and talk about it and ask y'all some questions. So I'm going to start in verse number one, and it says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. So first thing we see here is this description of the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. We've actually seen this description. We've talked about it before on, on the podcast on this series. We know that that is referring to Jesus, um, that he is the one, like the true author uh, of this letter, giving John uh, this vision. And so, but yeah, and then he says, um, we've seen this before too, that he says he knows the works of the church. And he says that they have the reputation of being alive, but they are dead. So, Cameron, to mm-hmm. your point, um, we see that, yeah, he describes this. It's very interesting. It describes his church as having like this reputation on one hand of being one thing, but in reality they are another. He mm-hmm. says that they are dead, which is really interesting when you think about it. Because as always, I'm um, working through this. You know, I, I read a good a good comment about this that you know when we think of this church, we really shouldn't think of it as kind of this. Uh, failing, dying church where, you know, nothing's happening. The pastor's about to resign. But really, like, this is a busy, active church. There's a lot of activity uh, likely going on here. It's, like, well-known, in a sense, in the community. Um, But the reputation in the world's eyes is not ultimately what matters Mm -hmm. for this church. We see that Jesus is looking beneath that reputation to the reality of the spiritual condition of the church and I mean it's pretty sobering and believe he says yeah. they are dead. Mm-hmm. And you know, this contrasts with a lot of the other churches we've looked at because when we've seen what Jesus has said to some a lot of the other churches, we, we really see that these churches are facing a lot of persecution and what we see pictures like they are engaged in warfare. Like mm-hmm. Jesus is commending them for standing firm, holding fast, right? We we see them engaged, like he he calls where they're at, like the um, like the domain of Satan, and so we get the sense that like a lot of these other churches are engaged in warfare, and it's hard. But here, I mean, that, we're not given that picture here. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's like there, there's nothing happening. Mm-hmm. There is yeah. no warfare that they're engaged in because they're dead. I think that's a great point that you know when this church is spiritually dead, it's not a threat mm-hmm. to Satan's domain. Like they can't wage warfare because they're not doing anything. They're there's, they're not alive to actually wage warfare. Uh, And so in a lot of ways, this reputation for them is a false sense of security uh, because their spiritual character is deficient. Mm -hmm. Um, So my question for you both as we as we think about that is, you know, how how do you see parallels for the church today, perhaps in America or in our local context? Because I think with some of the other churches, maybe it's been harder to kind of wrap our minds and even for our listeners to wrap our minds around like intense persecution and what that looks like because we don't experience that a lot. Uh, here in america and in the west but i do feel like as i was reading the, uh, this particular letter to this church that like so, hey okay, this this seems a lot more <laughs> this resonates mm-hmm. i feel like i'm with a lot more of what we see and encounter
2: mm-hmm. yeah so um talking about big c church for america i think um just looking at the the evidence that you know Tennis is going down, baptisms are going down, evangelistic efforts are going down. There's There seems to be a real, like, uh, sense or proof that the church in America is just not reaching uh, as efficiently and effectively as it has in the mm-hmm. past. Um, method, culture, you can point to a lot of different things and different uh, causalities, but um, I think... The real root is like a lack of pursuit of people, and so um, thinking that being a, a real thing, like uh, thinking through like uh, God's Jesus's message to all the churches, and then thinking through um, Jesus's message uh, in the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, like a love for people, go make disciples. Uh, there's been a um, we got into a season in the church in america where it, that wasn't the the real heart of why we did church and in the pursuit of things and so you see people who are members of the church or who say that they're christians but their walk uh is not resembling the christian faith or it's just not existent right mm-hmm. they just they have a false sense of security about their christian faith
1: hmm. yeah i think um I think that's absolutely that's true, and I think how this kind of like translates is this um, our you know I, I just keep thinking on they they have a reputation for being alive, and kind of what you're talking about is um, the church, and and it's really I think specific and important to reiterate like we're talking about the church in America, yeah, not decent. worldwide, like mm-hmm. because the church worldwide is uh, the. The global um, center of Christianity is changing and migrating to the, the East, really. Mm-hmm. And so um, what we're saying about the, the church in America and Western culture is not necessarily true of oh, yeah. the church in the Eastern culture that is being persecuted. Right. that That does have a reputation for being alive and being on fire, really, like sweeping mm-hmm. across that. But anyway... Our reputation here, I think for a long time in American culture became well, if you were attending the programs, if you were, you know, checking the boxes of uh, what cultural Christianity said was a, and I'm using quotations, like a good Christian, then you had a reputation of being a, um, like maybe a morally upright person, or you had a reputation of being a faithful church member, or you had a reputation of being a good Sunday school teacher, or you had a reputation of all, all those things. And I think what this gets at and this idea in Sardis and then certainly today in art is that um, yeah, the world's measure of success is not the standard of life or death. Like the mm-hmm. standard of if we're alive or if we're dead is how we think about, how we view, and how we rightly place the Lord Jesus Christ and his message in our life and in our heart. Mm-hmm. And so if we, um, you know, if we think, well, I go to church every week. Uh, but we don't act as, uh, we don't ever apply the lens of scripture to our life, or we don't ever, um, like, submit our life and authority to Jesus as Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I'm not sure that church attendance means you're alive. I think that how you view and what you believe about Jesus is a better indicator of life or death. And in Sardis, you know, their reputation was they had a bustling community, Mm -hmm. um, but Jesus is saying, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, but your
0: but
2: you're dead. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's a lot of great resources on the Joshua Project, joshuaproject.net to be able to like see this. So your your point of like the church worldwide oh, and so oh, yeah. like where um, there's a lot of growth mm-hmm. um, within the church and seeing a lot of that in we talked about this yesterday uh just in the office of in East Asia, China mm-hmm. specifically, where Christianity is growing
0: and then Uh, in South Africa in that area of the world so yeah yeah for sure those are those are really really great points so moving on to verse 2 we see then what so after this after Jesus says that they uh, are dead really we see what Jesus is calling them to Mm -hmm. um, in response so verse 2 says wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God so here we have a yeah from jesus a serious call for the church to wake up mm-hmm. from spiritual slumber and complacency then there's this really interesting uh turn of phrase where he says strengthen what remains and is about to die and yeah, you know, that it's really interesting and there's a lot of um it, it's a challenging uh mm-hmm. phrase um, but really kind of getting at i think it's where jesus is saying like the situation's not the situation is bleak mm-hmm. uh, for the spiritual condition of this church but it's not hopeless um, but with that, there he is getting out like there's, there's a necessity for urgent action. And he's saying, like, strengthen what remains, what you have left, and is about to die. So mm-hmm. you, we get this sense of something that is like on the course, like mm-hmm. on the way to, to death, to destruction, if action is not taken. Um, and then he says, that I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. And so as he's talking about, say, of waking up and strengthening what remains, he's linking it. Um, to this idea that their their works as, as a church, as a people, are incomplete mm-hmm. uh, in the sight of God. So this just one thing I want to talk about is is this idea of their works being incomplete in God's eyes. It's very interesting because I think what we see is there's a very real expectation that the people of God do good works in keeping with repentance. This is an idea that's put forward in Acts 26.20. Uh, in Luke, you know, Jesus says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Uh, And so, this is a challenging passage, um, but also, like, shows us that it's, like, problematic and dangerous if, like, if we don't, like, if our works are incomplete. Um, I think this is something, like, we have to wrestle with uh, what Jesus is saying here, But I can also think it can be hard to kind of wrap our minds uh, around this. So, I just want to just kind of have some discussion about, like, how should we think about um, this, this idea of, you know, like, Jesus saying their works are incomplete and kind of how do we faithfully wrestle with that as as believers and as a church as we think about kind of the works God expects us to do. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be the the question yeah
1: yeah i would make a for i for myself and for our listeners i would make a distinction between complete and perfect mm-hmm. uh, like we can't we we will not reach perfection this side of heaven and so if the standard is the standard is jesus and yes he is perfect and we will become like that on the other side of eternity like when we pass away from this life and enter into eternal life but on this side of heaven or the second coming or um the new world our works being complete does not mean we will do everything perfectly Mm -hmm. and so that's a helpful mental distinction and then past that like once we can train ourselves and it's a constant retraining to think like my works being complete do not mean perfection um i think that In the other places where we see this, and we see it in here too this work, this idea of our works being complete is tied to our repentance. Mm -hmm. And so there's a willingness, you know, if you are. Striving and to striving to grow towards the Lord and, and in a deeper understanding towards maturity in Christ which we see in other places like the epistles that that's our purpose right is to present mm-hmm. everyone mature in Christ so if our works are complete in the sense we are our we have the posture in our life of we are working towards a deeper understanding and we're willing to repent mm-hmm. of whatever is brought before us that doesn't align with the standard of scripture. And so yeah, we'll never we'll never reach this completion. We'll never be perfect on this side of heaven. But the striving is in the posture of being humble enough to see and repent yeah. what's what's going on. Repent from what's going on. If it's sinful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's what I would say. <laughs> yeah, and I
0: I like what you bring out there about like posture but then also purpose because mm. that I think that that is part of the idea here is what God is looking for in, in redeeming and saving us is, is calling us into a purpose mm-hmm. right and as we are his followers in the world like looking for us to actually like live live out and walk in that purpose and so yeah I think what he's getting at here with their works being incomplete is this idea of you they're not walking in the purpose Mm -hmm. that he intends for them to walk in. Right. Right. And that's not a purpose we kind of come into on our own, apart from God's grace, apart from his mercy. Right. But over and over again, we see in scripture that right, it is like, but God coming in, intervening, rescuing us Mm -hmm. um, from sin, from slavery, and then bringing us right into his kingdom, which is a life of purpose where, yes, like as we are continually posturing ourselves to live in allegiance to him, that that's living out that purpose is going to like work itself out in the world. It's going to look right. like, it's going to have a, it's going to look like, yeah, good works. It's going to look like our works being, um, yeah, striving, right. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of towards this, this picture of completion right. um, that he makes possible. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, I think for me, the, the first verse that comes to mind, uh, is Philippians six that I who began good work in you will complete it and I think there's an overconfidence uh, that is placed in that verse because that doesn't mean that we don't stop uh, pursuing the Lord mm. and so um, which is the danger of just looking at one verse and trying to understand the, the pursuit of the Lord, the relationship that you have with the Lord just based off uh, a handful of verses you have to really look at the entire context of Scripture, and so understanding Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Understanding James four seventeen, that if you don't do what you know you're supposed to do, that you're sinning. And so for the church, like uh, especially the the um, churches like Sardis and Old Testament churches, and, and churches today, the the system of like pulling people along uh, in small groups and saying, hey, here's what God's Word says, and passing it down. Um, by the model that they lived among each other, and then also through oral communication, just um, they would have known. Like this is how you continue to pursue the Lord. This is how you uh, engage people, engage the Lord. Like this is what is expected. And so, I think that's the the process that uh, they get uh, overly confident, and that God's just going to take care of it all.
0: Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know there. There's like there seems to be some the, the same idea that James gets at in James two fourteen as well. You when know, that faith that works is dead, mm-hmm. um, that that works, that, like good works, is like evidence of like a genuine faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, I really like I think Titus three three through eight puts this like kind of draws all this together in a way that I think is very very helpful in like thinking through. All right, what has God done? Um, and what is our purpose um, in him. I actually just want to read it in its entirety. It says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. So there it is, the condition of all humanity apart from God. Mm -hmm. Um, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So then here we see, here, here is the work God has done uh, through Jesus Christ in saving us. And then after in verse 8, he says, this saying is trustworthy, which is really like this, this gospel saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for pe- people. And I love this passage because it really, uh, I think what it points to is this idea that properly understanding the gospel and properly understanding who Jesus is and what he's done um, and the life he's called us to, right, Work like that will lead us then right, to live a certain way. Right and in, in following and in pursuit of him, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, so gonna move on to verse three. Uh, so then we have this is what Jesus says in verse three: Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. And so here we have the here we have the call to really respond appropriately that Jesus is putting forward to the church, um, and it's a call to repentance but once again you know we have kind of three these actions here that are associated with I think wake like what's it going to take for this church to wake up and like strengthen what remains what do they need to do and here we see it's, it involves remembering um, remembering what they've received and heard so I'm like the truth of the gospel message and the word of God I'm just like what you were getting at there of like what what has been passed down mm-hmm. um, but then also he says keep it and repent um, so there's just like We have to first remember that that discipline is important, but then also keeping it and repenting. And we talked, like you said, we've talked a lot about um, repentance on the podcast for the past couple weeks as we've gone through these letters, because just all these churches are called to repent, um, to turn from their own way. And I love how you you said it, Cameron, of really allowing your lives to be brought under the authority of of Jesus and following and pursuing him wholeheartedly um, in the pursuit of obedience and holiness. As I thought about this, you know, I just thinking about like remembrance and and repentance you know i really think that you know as we what it shows is like as we fail to remember and set our minds on the gospel and god's word like we're in danger of falling asleep Mm -hmm. like all of us kind of any church at any point is in danger of falling asleep and uh, when we simply become hearers and not doers of the word we become like we're in danger uh, of falling asleep so my question for y'all is like, practically, what practices and habits help, like, facilitate remembrance and stir up affection for Jesus in your life? Because I think, you know, a lot of this, like, where we kind of go slip into disobedience and apathy, I think the root of a lot of that is just, like, a lack of awe, <laughs> like, and love for God mm-hmm. um, that we can be so easily tempted towards. Mm. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Go ahead. All right. For me, it's always self-reflection,
2: like getting, pulling away from myself and asking lots and lots of questions and so and then just uh attempting to be as genuine and honest as possible with every area of my life and i think uh as as i was thinking through this um this verse i think the temptation with this verse is to be like oh well there are are parts of my faith that are awake and alive and i'm keeping but then there are other parts that are not and so we push those sides those parts to the side and then we only so we hold on to what we're doing well, and we look at other people who are not doing anything well, and we're like, oh, I'm doing well enough. Um, but being able to step back and to see the whole picture and, like, the daily pursuit of Scripture. And so uh, if you look at my, um, my journal, um, the bulk of, like, what I take from Scripture are not like, Jesus said this, Jesus said that, but they're questions for, like, me to think through, like, on a daily basis.
1: Um, so. yeah for me there's two practices one is the practice of li- literally listing out the things that I'm thankful for and the other is the practice of continuing to be in uh, like authentic fe- the discipline of fellowship mm-hmm. so like when um, you know even I think we uh, and this gets to a, a really like I really go down a rabbit trail but really, just to sum it up I think we have we are in um, danger as a society, as a community, especially as a faith community, as a, a members of the body of believers. I think there's a very real danger for us to lose the desire and ability to commit to meeting together with one another for the purpose of authentic fellowship and, and we're, we're losing, I've said, we're losing that desire and we're losing that ability to really commit and stick to that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we'll sign up for a, a Bible study, we'll sign up for a, a D group, we'll sign up for discipleship group, we'll sign up for something and, you know, you know, a disclaimer, like life happens, we miss some. I'm not saying that it's like perfect attendance to the but if we've had a long day in our and we think oh i'm tired i don't want to go well what i found in my life is when i don't want to go is when i need to go yes, like I mean, when i don't want to go be authentic or open with people that's probably when i need it the most like and so you know i just i just for my little tiny like little tiny scope or slice of the pie of seeing it is just like you know yeah okay like you could like something, I don't know, just being able to commit to and and think of gathering together with our brothers and sisters as a discipline, as something that is, um, is necessary for my spiritual development. That helps me remember what's going on around me with other people. It helps me remember why it's important. It helps me remember all those things is, um, committing to something and, and following through with, with being, community
0: Mm. yeah that's really good. i yeah wholeheartedly agree and i think when we when we do that what ends up happening is that is something god uses to yeah to remind us right that we are called to like live and live Mm -hmm. and walk in a purpose that is right greater and Mm -hmm. doesn't revolve around just us right? right as i see and interact with and bear the burdens of my brothers and sisters, I'm reminded that like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't just kind of belong to myself. Like unto mm-hmm. myself on an Island that like, I, I belong to the family of God that right. Even my like willingness to show up is a way of me like caring for the other members of mm-hmm. the body. I'm um, being willing to be present, not for myself, but even for others. And like, and you just think like if everyone kind of comes into the space in that way, just how sweet the time is like with the yeah and just how vibrant the fellowship is because I think another temptation is that we perhaps yeah have Christian friends but then when we get together there's no real sharing of spiritual life and I think even just the discipline of like going deeper Mm -hmm. with our Christian friends is something that um a lot I think that's a muscle that a lot of a lot of times we're not used to working right as well and so because there's a way I can be in proximity Mm -hmm. to other believers, but that doesn't necessarily mean that our time together is going to facilitate that remembrance and stir up that affection for God, right, Right, and point us on there. One of the things
2: that uh, we're seeing now culturally is that social media is giving us a a false sense of that as well, and so a false sense of community, a false sense Mm -hmm. of authenticity, because I can post what's going on in my life, but the reality is it's probably not the full truth, Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, uh, been able to pull away and actually have like real people in your corner who are asking you the hard questions that you're being authentic with rather than just putting it on uh, your story
0: yeah so. yeah for sure that's a great point yeah and i think another prize for me it's you know it's simple but it, it really is like consistently like engaging god's word spending time with the lord and scripture for mm-hmm. me and I know adding the discipline of journaling um, to that to that practice for me has been huge and just helping me like slow down and <laughs> really like focus um, and like listen. Like I really think that like that's for me like one of the benefits of that I found with journaling is like it, it really helps me slow down and listen to what God is saying as I'm like journaling and working through um, those truths. But those things, yeah, I, I find myself and I, I would say it's the same thing. Like the times where I least want to do it when I least feel like going and spending time in the word that's when I need it the most yeah. um, and that's where I need like God to like center like his perspective mm-hmm. um, in my life the most yeah that's really good okay so Jesus says that all right so if they don't wake up that he's going to come like a thief uh, and that they won't know, uh, the time or hour, but he's, he's going to come like a thief against them. And uh, this is language that's used, uh, referenced uh, in other places in scripture as well as Jesus talks about uh, his second coming. Uh, and that, that is really what he's getting at here is that like we know that Jesus um, is going to come back. And uh, when he does, um, he is going um, to uh, judge uh, the living and the dead. He's going to be a final judgment, really, of sin. In um, evil, but also when there will be um, final redemption, right? For those who have repented and believed uh, in Him, where we will be made um, perfect. But yeah, again, like there, there, but there is there is an urgency here um, that is put forward um, as we look at this church's spiritual condition. Uh, Jesus saying, like, hey, repent, because there. Again, I think we talked about this last week, right? He. He doesn't say like you will have this much time right. to repent. He says basically, repent. I'm coming soon. Right. Um. And there and there is urgency there. And I, and I think it's really interesting, even as we look at this. To there's a lot that like is not elaborated, <laughs> like or not kind of explained or fleshed out mm-hmm. um, in this passage. And we're kind of left with the tension of just understanding that. Um. Kind of, we don't necessarily know the ins and outs of right necessarily like the works or the you know the strengthening what remains whatever but we what we are left as clear is like it's not good right that this church is spiritually dead um and right they're not doing um what god expects things like that's not good and we're we've we're given this picture that they're like there will be judgment if right they don't uh, repent and i think that's because one of the things I did not want to do with this passage and when we get to hard passages in scripture i think sometimes we can want to just explain away the tension um sometimes i think that tension is like good and there for a reason um for us to like actually like really consider it deeply and work through it um and ask like okay god like what what do you want to teach us how do you want to like change and refine your people um through these words Uh, so that's just really good um conversation on that. Okay, verse four, we have a commendation here. Um, So on a positive note for the church in Sardis, Jesus says, yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Okay, so even though the overall spiritual condition of this church is bleak, what Jesus is saying here is that there is a, a small amount, like a faithful remnant of Christians in this church, so like when we say that, like faithful Christians, from like true disciples of Jesus who are committed um, and who are doing what Jesus expects them to do, and I think this is a core reminder that you know Jesus takes notice of faithfulness, like mm-hmm. he he sees faithfulness and he acknowledges faithfulness, no matter where it's found or how small it seems by comparison to. Everything else uh, yeah. that's happening around. So I can imagine it would be if you're if you're one of these Christians in Sardis, I can imagine it would be extremely discouraging <laughs> and frustrating to like stay the course and just kind of constantly kind of see the state, um, the like overall state uh, yeah. of of the church uh, in this community. Because I think that that's a cool and encouraging reminder. And Jesus also says that they haven't soiled their garments okay, so he says garments here, he's not just talking about like physical clothing, what they're like wearing outwardly, but really he's getting at the idea of their way of life, um, that their way of life is really one exemplified by consistent obedience and uh, a courageous faith, and again, right, this is not saying that they are perfect without flaw, right, but it's getting at there. there is a continual pursuit of Jesus, right, there, there is a continual um, pursuit uh, and, and love of him and a pursuit of uh, his will he says and there's a reward put forward here that they will walk with jesus in white um and that you know white uh is a color that symbolizes purity um but also triumph uh as well And so there's this this is really cool picture like walking with jesus and honor and glory and and intimacy and purity uh, and triumph which you know as we think like that there is no greater reward than that than being able to walk uh closely with god um and so that, that's really cool. Uh, and then I want to move down to verses 5 uh, through 6. And Jesus says, uh, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot out his name of the book of life, out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says um, to the churches. So as we get to the end of this letter, we see the same uh, format here where Jesus is talking about what will be the reward of the one who, who conquers. Three things here. They'll be clothed in white garments. The name will never be blotted out of God's book of life. And that Jesus will confess uh, our names before God the Father and before the angels. Which that last point is really cool. Because you know, I think it's all a good point here. You know, I think we know it makes sense to want to confess Jesus because, like, he's awesome. He's perfect. He's God. Like, He's faithful in every way. Um, it's just like, yeah, like, of course, like, he is worth. Like, his name is worthy to be confessed. But, like, this picture of, like, imagine, like, coming to a point where like Jesus is confessing our names before God the Father and before the angels like and we're wholly undeserving of that right um it's just this really cool picture um, of what it looks like to to triumph with him and to be known intimately um by him and so to kind of come full circle on a lot of these I really think you know a lot of these truths and even just the challenge of this passage really should encourage and spur us to faithfulness um and walking in our God given purpose. And so I can imagine, kind of, question getting to the end of this is, or maybe just needing to like go back and read again five times. I don't know. But just like, okay, well, where where do I where do I begin? Right? Kind of what is uh, what is the first step, the second step, the third step? Like, what like what do I do with this? Right? As a believer, a member of right a local church in America in twenty twenty one. So, any any thoughts on any thoughts on that? Or kind of what comes to mind, for as we think through, like, okay, how do we respond faithfully uh, to this letter? Yeah,
2: the first thought that comes to
0: mind, uh, and it may be
2: because Wes talked about it on Monday in our uh, program staff meeting, but the story of uh, Philip and the eunuch, and so the eunuch needing someone to like help him walk through and understand Scripture, hmm. and so. Um, my encouragement would be uh, find someone to help you, whether it's accountability, whether it's uh, understanding scripture, whether it's uh, just uh, someone to talk to. Um, I think that's a great place to start um, because I think through the community of the church, the, the understanding, the foundation of how the church is set up, like we can find um, the right steps from there together. Mm-hmm.
1: My encouragement would be to, to I mean, if someone's listening to this right now and they really want to take the next step, is to to turn this off, to pause it, whatever, we're wrapping up, so you can just wait till we're done and uh, and remember, like intentionally remember, think back on, um, think back on if you made a decision to follow christ at a young age think back on the grace and the blessing that was to be born into a family that would introduce you to jesus at a young age if if you were a little bit older when you came to know the lord think back on your heart condition and your thought process before you accepted jesus as your Savior, if you're an adult listening to this, think back on what God saved you out of. I mean, He's. if you are a believer and a follower of Christ, he saved you out of something no matter what stage you were at in your acceptance. He saved us all out of our natural human condition. But the older we get, the more opportunity there is for us to have, like, sinned grievously, right? And to, like, really process the specific ways in which God protected our life and God protected our livelihood and God protected us to bring us to this point. So my encouragement would just be to to really purposefully remember what has gotten you to this point of being um, able to listen to this kind to this podcast today or whatever day that you're listening to it. Whatever has brought you whatever circumstances have brought you to the point of um, being at whatever stage you find yourself in your relationship with the Lord or seeking or Questioning or whatever. Um, just remember, like, and, to, and for some people, I think that would be writing it out, like writing out the big key tenets of your life. We call this, like, we sometimes call this our testimony or mm-hmm. our story or whatever. But that's what um, that's what I think would be a good first step as well. Is like intentionally remember and remembering in light of God being the one to have given us all those things and opportunity leads us to the awe that you're referring to, KJ. Like there has never been a time, never, that I have, when I've actually like intentionally tried to remember with with the view of because God is the one giving me the gifts, that has always led to reverence and awe and thanksgiving it it cannot lead anywhere else if it does lead someone else your heart somewhere else your heart was not in the right Mm. position to begin with it's not
2: about uh, where we were Mm -hmm. in the story Mm -hmm. it's all about what god did right it's all about god giving the gift yeah Yeah.
1: so that that's that's where i would encourage people to start
0: yeah yeah those are those are are great uh starting places yeah i think just self-examination and Mm -hmm. just the time to to remember And even just, yeah, I think asking the hard question, like, man, you know, would Jesus see me as awake, mm-hmm. alive in faith, or as spiritually asleep mm-hmm. and close to death? And like, what's well, kind of really like, yeah, just being, yeah, sitting in that and just kind of asking, like, okay, mm-hmm. Lord, like, where am I? But then being encouraged that, like, he he says, like, yeah, come to that awareness. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I'm, like, <laughs> extending, like, mm-hmm. the, the hand of grace to mm-hmm. say, come, like repent and come and walk with me yeah which i think is so cool and you know i think another thing would just be identifying like um like okay um what then what after that like okay so what works then are are we neglecting Mm -hmm. um you know i think i say we purposely just want to be reminded like write this letters to a church to a people that right this is an expectation for a community not just individuals but yeah, I think really just kind of working through that and thinking, yeah, like what are there works that we're neglecting? Um, and, you know, my question is like, do you, because I think that can be, I think it's kind of helpful to maybe talk through and find like, what, what are some of those? Or maybe like, what are some works we're prone to seeing neglected uh, in our context? Y'all have mm. thoughts on that? Well, with the, the question of uh, like, what am I
2: missing? My first, uh, was to be like oh don't just ask that question and then settle for right there in that moment I can't think of anything mm, oh yeah uh, but to intentionally like ask the Lord to show it to you mm-hmm. and not get irritated with the Lord whenever he starts mm-hmm. calling out the things that you're missing mm-hmm. so
1: well initially I mean it's the things that we've already referenced the spending time in God's word and the fellowship like mm-hmm. and you know a lot of times uh, like being in community fellowship I'm using those two things so what i mean by that is showing up to the places that are regularly like available for you to be in relationship with your brothers and sisters in christ with people who think similarly and share convictions Mm. and so um because i think a byproduct of that will be works presenting themselves so Mm. if you're looking for opportunities to serve well one like god can open your eyes to anything around you like he'll open your eyes to opportunities to serve but also like there are probably regular rhythms of being able to serve your church or being able to serve uh within your church or you so so doing being faithful to the small works often leads to the opportunities to see other works that you can do. So I would, I would encourage listeners to not think like, well, I have to go do this, you know, day long service project at first. Sure. If that presents itself, do it, but don't, don't do that to the neglect of being faithful to spend some time in scripture today or to go to your, um, Sunday school class, or to show up, you know, when it's already available. And I to think. Love
2: yeah. the people who are right in
0: front of right. you. Right. Your siblings, your parents. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, the willingness to, yeah, extend that care for others, yeah. right? To sacrifice what I want, what's mm-hmm. convenient for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in this moment, to really, yeah, put the good of another, yeah. um, right? All for the sake of bringing glory to God, right? Like, I right. like how, um, I think it's in Second uh, Timothy. Uh, puts it you know, in this idea, or it might be titus actually i don't know making the gospel of god attractive mm. right to a watching world mm-hmm. um by how we live yeah those are really good um and yeah you know he says strengthen what remains I really think it's this good yeah just this uh, cool picture like yeah like start with even if you have a little <laughs> like start with the little faith you have and um and go with that <laughs> right and like pray ask god for strength wisdom guidance and like, yeah and like really seek earnestly after him like i think that's the cool reminders like yeah he's god never expects us to do anything of this apart from him um apart from wholehearted dependence uh on him and and that's the cool thing is that we do get to walk with jesus in this and that we do have his spirit I just want to end ephesians 5 14 i feel like it is just a cool way um, to conclude uh, this uh, this particular passage and and with what we what we want like what our prayer is um, and God's desire, He says, "Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." Mm-hmm. So, great, amen. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thank you, thank you both for uh, hanging out with me today, mm-hmm. having this awesome conversation. We'll Same. be
1: in the last church next week.
0: Oh yeah, coming to the end. Coming to the end. Alrighty, we will see y'all next week. Bye. All right. Thanks for joining us this week on Team Time with First Student Ministries. Make sure to visit our website, fbccola.com slash students, and check us out on Instagram at First Student Ministry. If you like this show and have follow-up questions for the team, shoot us a DM or email us at students at Until next time.